This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding, and I am joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. We're going to get started here in just a minute, but uh, before we do that, I want to remind you to go to practicalshepherding.com. You can find all of our resources there, ways we could be helpful to you. Also, we got a lot of exciting things happening as a ministry as we're halfway through the year, but if you would be able to help us with a financial gift, you can go to the donate page and leave a financial gift there to help us. It helps fund everything we do from the podcast to, to everything else in our ministry. So if this has been helpful to you, would you go and uh, support us in that way? It would be a great way to to help us as we try to move forward in the ministry that we're doing. And Jim, today we want to tackle a topic that has gotten a lot of press, I guess we should say, on uh, in the news and uh, social media and all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I want to first say that those regular listeners of the podcast know that we are not ones to have a bunch of hot takes and to want to try to do a bunch of relevant issues. That's not our. That's well, how not do we do style. relevant issues? We, we do don't, relevant. We don't do we don't do hot takes on uh, topics that are fleeting in and, and, nature. And just so you know, as the listener, that doesn't mean we don't have opinions on things. We are choosing <laughs> to be helpful in the things we talk about. So know that as we tackle this particular topic, because our goal is to not uh, talk about this particular topic and uh, have a bu- share a bunch of, of opinions on the fight that kind of is happening on social media. But we do think there are some helpful things to talk about. This is a relevant topic, and that is the topic of plagiarism in sermons in particular, Jim. That's been talked about recently. Um, and and there's so the, the idea of plagiarism let me read a basic definition of it. And I think for our conversation in regard to pastors and church leaders, we want to think about it in the in the frame of sermons being plagiarized and also when writing, when people mm-hmm. write. Uh, we, we want to acknowledge those are really the two areas we would like to acknowledge our issues going on in, uh, in our circles. Here's a basic definition of plagiarism. The practice of taking someone else's work or ideas and passing them off as one's own. So, Jim, before we dive into this, uh, any just general uh, ideas, just biblically, how we think about this idea of plagiarism? Brian, I think there's a lot in the Word of God that would talk about this, and it it gets into the issues of things like ministerial qualifications. Uh, We have to be men of integrity. We have to be men above reproach, and that needs to happen in the body, and and, and even we're told outside the body. The text that came to my mind as we were discussing this is is out of Titus chapter 2, and he does say, uh, having given a list of what it looks like to to preach very practically, what are the practical ramifications of the faith for older men, younger men, older women, younger women, and servants, etc., he says, in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. And then he goes on uh, at the end, and he lays out that, you know, some of our ministry at times is going to be really, it's going to cut close to the bone, it's going to expose sin, it's going to call people out, and the tendency of some is going to be this, well, who do you think you are? You know, you you can't say that. I know all about you. You know that can undermine your ministry. And so he says in the conclusion in Titus two fifteen, speak these things that is practical matters, exhort and rebuke. He says with all authority. 
And then he adds, let no one despise you. Right. Yeah. Let no one look down on you. Don't let anybody look around you. Don't have anybody have cause to throw off what you say. What you say may be true, but if your life is such or your integrity is such that it calls into question you know, the, the whole your whole authority, because you have to have... The authority that you say this is rooted both in truth. That's the first thing. It's got right. to be true, right. biblical. It has to be accurate. But then it also, it's backed by the integrity of your life. And when we are plagiarizing, we, so that's a, it's a violation of the, uh, of the Eighth Commandment. Uh, you shall not steal. Uh, you, you, that's, and, and that can be against somebody's property, or again, it can be somebody's hard work or somebody's labor. If you went in, you were working at a business, uh, IBM or something like that, and a guy had invented something and uh, a great new app or something and had placed it on a thumb drive and you picked up that thumb drive and stuck it in your computer, took his name off, put your name on, you'd go to jail for the rest of your, you know, I mean, you might go to jail all night right. for the rest of your life, but you're, gonna, you're probably going to go to it's jail. You're going to be sued. You're right. going to get fired. Right. It's going to be a problem because that's somebody's intellectual idea. It's somebody's blood, sweat, and tears. And you're presenting it as though as though it's your own. Yep. And Brian, I think there's another aspect of this, and that is that as pastors, we are called to labor. We are called to labor in the word and in doctrine. Right. And that word labor is a word that means you know to, to labor and to toil unto exhaustion or sweat. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not putting in hard work, your own hard work, uh, into the preparation of sermons. If 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 you're not laboring in the Word, then you're not you're not doing your calling. Yeah, there's a fork in the road, isn't it? That's happened, I think, with pastors in that there's a there's a a train of thought, and and again, you and I come from different. This really shows how different worlds we come from. Mm-hmm. But this idea that. Uh, part of the pastor's calling is not that labor, like that you're t- that you're articulating, but which is which invites these ideas of uh, yeah, it's okay to just take somebody else's sermon and, and preach it or whatever that looks like. And so I want I want us to first kind of define, get into the details of this. You know what is what exactly is plagiarism? That's really what's being kind of argued on social media yeah. right now. And so why don't we first? Go there. Well, actually, before we go there, we should acknowledge this. I think will be fun for people. In our conversation before we started recording, we just highlighted the different backgrounds we have and how <laughs> how stark they are in some ways. And this is kind of one of the areas. So let me ask you. First. I was a little more heated than you were in our previous. Let, let me. Uh, so let me before I, I give my background on this issue. You were taught it was really important to labor like then toil and write your own sermons in, in the training you have right jim exactly right yeah, yeah. you do you do the work you do the spade work and that's a term i i you know i heard in my training you do the spade work you work in the original languages you break that text down and it's not until the end that you even start applying things like uh commentaries so that you don't want to, you don't go to commentaries first to find right. out what everybody else thinks. Right. You, you come and you try to strive to understand that text, and then you use what, again, not my words, one of my mentor's words, the quality control of, of church history and systematic theology to make sure you're not 
an error, but again, it is your work. And again, one of my mentors would talk about your preaching needs to be smothered with your own fingerprints. So that's what I was taught. So my background's a little different, Jim. And it, mine started with, actually, you know how I learned about plagiarism. I was a freshman in college. I wrote a paper. I was a terrible, I did not know how to write well. Yeah. And it's almost like I didn't go to English class in high school. I mean, it's just, <laughs> a, imagine me in college at that point. I'm in, in, in the ba- the bottom end of English class. I write a paper. I plagiarize. The, the professor sees it and notices it and calls me on it and is about to fail me. And I legitimately didn't know what plagiarism was. And I had taken quotes out of a book and just put them into the paper. And I had to, I had to convince him that, that I'm honestly not trying to get out of this. Like I I'm ge- not immoral. I I'm ge- just dumb. <laughs> I, I genuinely did not know what plagiarism was. He was gracious to me. And what a lesson that was. I mean, I, I learned what plagiarism was. I learned how serious it was. Mm. And it really, that I mean, God really used that because obviously I'm later, I'm not only preaching, but I'm also writing later in my life. Right. So that started there. I serve on staff at a church for five years, larger church. The pastor openly, everybody knows he's not writing his own sermons. He actually has full-time, two full-time staff people at one point who were writing his sermons for him. Mm. And then he would get them on Saturday and work and work with them and preach them. So like that was the general practice. In the 90s, in the church growth movement, Rick Warren, the Purpose Driven Life, where thousands of churches uh, used the Purpose Driven Life. He required, this was my world back then, he required, if you wanted, if you agreed to do the Purpose Driven Life process that they had, he required that you preached his sermons for those 40 days, you know, those four weeks or whatever it was. And so, it, and and Warren openly goes, it says, you know, come preach my sermons if you want. And he puts them online and says, you can, you can do that. So this culture of not doing the labor and the toil of preparing that you're talking about, Jim, has been deeply embed, embedded in, in a lot of evangelicalism. And I would say certainly in, in mainline Baptist circles. And so this is the background I have. And it's only that my convictions changed around sermon prep and those kinds of things through mentors that I had outside of these environments that I was in. But I share all that to say that, especially in Southern Baptist life, which has been where I've been for the last almost 25 years, uh, depending on the circles you're in, there has been this agreed upon idea that it's okay to preach someone else's sermon. So I think we need to define what plagiarism is in regard to this. That's really what the debate is. In other words, what what's there's a difference I want to highlight, and this we kind of enter the conversation with this in this way. Preaching somebody's sermon word for word from the pulpit, claiming it as your own, not giving any credit, versus I'm preparing my sermon and I have this idea I found in the commentary that I read, right. or a sermon I listened to right. that was good and and I it I graft it into my own sermon that I ultimately write the whole thing about. Like Those are two right. totally different things. I want to highlight that because uh, just this week, I was on the phone talking with a pastor who, you know, was, was was listening to, you know, other sermons and concerned about that it was being stolen from somebody else. So this is a really relevant issue yeah. even now. And so this is the conversation that I think we need to have is those are the two extremes. The question is, as pastors try to figure out what because now I think there's two things that have happened. Pastors are uh, pastors are, are getting called out on preaching other people's sermons, and they almost like I was at 19 years old and a freshman in college. 
they're acting like at least they didn't know it was a problem. Or you have this other side where guys are going to be like hyper conscience about sensitive about their conscience and regardless, right. like, I can't quote even quote anybody uh, w- yeah. without. So right. we, where's the middle ground, Jim, with this as I articulate that? Well, we, there's a lot there, Brian. Yeah, I, I, I think you know. I, I think any of you, if you want to get on Google, you can look up sermon preparation services. I mean, there there are there are. This this is a whole cottage industry. It is of, of, of prepared sermons, you know, for, for the busy pastor. Again, I'm going to argue that this is part of what you need to be busy in. And if you're so busy in your pastoring that you can't work on your own sermon, then you're then you're you're too busy. You ought you ought not to be the preaching pastor. Somebody else ought to be the preaching pastor. If you're so busy in committees and in meeting with people and counseling, so I, I think that's something I would I would say as a general rule. I think there may be times when you know you've maybe taken three funerals and you were unexpected and hospital visits, and you come to the end of the week and you might either want to ride an old horse, you know that is something you've preached before, or else if there's a sermon that's gripped you. Uh, so on, on sermon audio, I preached a sermon once on a. Uh, I, I, I and it's all very clear. I uh, had read a sermon by Robert Murray McShane that mm-hmm. had done a lot of good to my soul, and and it was in a Sunday school class, and I, I essentially read it interspread with a, a few comments of my own. But if you look on, it's called Robert Murray McShane on. You and know, you so, acknowledge that's what you yeah. Doing I acknowledge. On top of I acknowledge yeah. that's what I was doing. I think if you if you are the type that has to utilize a, a, a sermon service that you should that should be clear it should whether you have to say it every single week or whether you say it every few months now you know if you've gotten help from this sermon you need to understand uh, the outline is is borrowed uh there's a very helpful website that i use and it gives me uh, how to outline and break down the major points of a of john chapter 17 and and so i'm i'm going to use that i have a hard time coming up with an outline or I find in reading, you know, whoever my favorite commentator is, that they do a great job of breaking this down in a way that's helpful. I read Spurgeon's sermon, and Spurgeon had four points. I'm not going to preach his material, but I am going to use his, his, his headings. I think we need to acknowledge it. The problem is, again, when we are getting praise— uh, for doing, you know, if, if, if in, and we, we have to understand it's wrong whether or not whether or not you get caught, it's wrong. You may never get caught. Nobody in your church may ever know. They, 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 you know, if you're stealing John Piper sermons and nobody in your church ever listens to John Piper, you can probably get away with it. If, if nobody's ever heard John MacArthur and you use John MacArthur, Brian, I actually had a guy one time tell me that he uses my sermons. So Look at that. Guy. There's 8 billion people in the world. Claim to fame, one of right them, there. One of them once, you know, was <laughs> using my sermons. Like, I, 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 I try to find the guy to give him a hug and tell him how sad so, so I was that he had to use. It's like he was, <laughs> you you're sorry that far down. Don't you? You're that far down in the barrel that, That's you know, true. you had to. But guess maybe I was obscure enough that he thought he could use me and nobody like nobody else listens to this guy, uh, so I can get away with this. So you know, he sought forgiveness for that uh, from me. You, so I, I appreciate that. You, you hit something I think that's really important in this conversation. That that I don't think, at least in, in the in the loud social media argument that we're witnessing right now around this issue, is that it's about acknowledging somebody else's work if you use it. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's what I want to highlight is that to your point, like you stand up and read a 
you know, Robbie Merck, Robbie Merck Machine uh, sermon, but you let everybody know this is what this is. Right. And I'm going to read this. I'm going to give some comment, but this is what I'm reading to you. So the 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 rub with plagiarizing sermons, or what I think, what I would say, the way I would define, is not necessarily using somebody else's work, but not giving proper credit right. where that is. So here's what's tricky. And then I've heard, again, this is this is why this doesn't feel scandalous to me in a sense, because it's just the world I lived in, even though I, I you know, I I certainly don't support the practice. But when when guys like, you know, Rick Warren or I know John Maxwell and some others have, have done these things where they, you know, they'll put stuff out there and say, Yeah, you know, use this. Is it plagiarism when Rick Warren says, Preach my sermon word for word, I want you to and my answer to that is yes. If you don't say you're preaching Rick right. Warren's I'm sermon, right? I'm not sinning right against Rick because sometimes, yeah. again, because sometimes we're we are stealing from somebody. Right. We're taking from them without their permission. That's one part of it. The other is the presenting it as our own. That's right. So there's two different sins. One is almost this hubris or pride of getting because. Hopefully it's a good sermon, and you may get some excellent feedback, Pastor. That was really helpful. That one thing you said about, you know, and, and you need to be able to say that. Well, that wasn't me. You know, I, I have to be honest and tell you that that wasn't me. If you're getting praise for doing something that's not yours, it, it's immoral, and it really it borders on the criminal. Yep. I mean, even in even in the sight of the in the sight of the, of the world, it's. You plagiarize a guy. I remember, you know, Alex Haley, the writer of Roots, uh, which was a widely, widely, you know, praised book. And there was, it was, I think, it was one paragraph out of four or five hundred pages, but it was lifted from something. And eventually, somebody who had read that other book uh, said, "Hey, wait a minute, I, I, I remember that." Now that takes. <laughs> That's really extraordinary in some ways to like remember something you've read however many years ago and think, wait a minute, that's like word for word, you know, to, to retain that. But I, I again, when and, and he was sued for, that's the point I was getting at, this criminal. And when we're preaching, okay, so what's our goal in preaching? Our goal in preaching is, is the maximum edification of the hearer. We're trying to give God's word the best we can to God's people and to unbelievers who are sitting under our ministry. So that's our, our primary goal. And so if you're going to borrow from somebody, make sure that it is something that has maximum edification in it. Make sure that it's an accurate exposition of the words. Even worse, if you're stealing and what you're stealing is terrible. Um so you know, I'm also joking. If you want to steal, make sure you're stealing great things. Hmm. But the but the other part of it is again to be able to sort out whatever it is again in your own identity, whatever it is you're going through as in a crisis in your own ministry. I understand. I've been doing this. I've been preaching for since 1979. So I've been preaching a long time. I was five years old, by the way. Continue. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. So. Uh, when I know the pressure of feeling like every other day is Sunday and the day in between is Wednesday, I used uh -huh. to say every yeah. other day is Sunday and the pressure that, Hey, you've got to get up there and you've got to deliver the goods and whether you feel like it or not, whether, uh, Brian, I have had, uh, this is part of the reason I'm going to do a sabbatical. I, I've been suffering from some degree of brain fog, mm -hmm. and, and, and uh, thankfully, I have been able to preach 
every single Sunday sermon so good that people want to plagiarize them. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. No, but I've been, <laughs> I've been able to get up there and thankfully been able to do my own work and do my own study and do my own meditation. But stuff that I sometimes hope to get done on Tuesday or Wednesday isn't getting done until late Friday or late Saturday. And there are sometimes that, that ink is pretty wet on Sunday morning because my brain is just not cooperating. Yeah. Uh, I'm dull. And, and and I've actually had this written down as a podcast for us to, to deal with at another time. What do you do when you're feeling dull? What do you do when you feel disengaged? And, yeah. and, and yet the pulpit is crying out. Every six days. You, every six days, yeah. hey, you got to get back in there. Mm-hmm. And you've got to try to give God's people... I Brian, I wanted to I want to preach every single time the best sermon I can preach from that text. I don't want to just wing it. I don't want to say to myself, "Well, I've already gotten 3000 I've preached 3000 sermons or more at my church." I can't get up there and say, "Hey, you know, some of those are pretty good, you know, just so I can just get up there this time and just keep the bat on my shoulder and hope to get a walk." Yeah. You know, that that's not what I can do. I, I have to it is my job before God and before these people to prepare the word for them. They are they are coming not just to be with each other, not just to sing hymns and psalms and spiritual songs. They are coming to hear me, to hear me, whoever is preaching, but it's often me, to hear me preach the word of God. That's what gets them out of bed, makes them get in their car and to drive. Mm. And I owe it to the Lord and I owe it to them to present that. But I understand sometimes you are so weary, you are so distracted, that it may be it may be to say listen brethren i could not out of the well of my own heart and mind this week i i could not in good conscience give to you something that was edifying mm. i did however god met with me weeks ago in reading a sermon by whoever it is by charles spurgeon uh, by jc ryle and it was so helpful and so moving. And God helping me, I I have sought to internalize what they said, but I am in large part going to preach to you yeah. somebody whose mind and heart was engaged. I think we can do that, but again, attribute it. What I would like to do, just kind of shift for this last part, is maybe talk about some practical ways to help pastors avoid plagiarizing. Mm-hmm. Because I want to acknowledge, in fact, I, I you know as I was in this this world of kind of church growth world in the 90s and early 2000s you know there there was some speculation that one of the one of the things that started this trend was not just the way that you know again the purpose driven life and some of those things came around but when pastors did the purpose driven life and they were required to preach sermons that were already prepared uh that they were had to do these guys who were solo pastors yeah. doing Sunday Sunday Wednesday you know, by themselves and exhausted and trying to do everything else, just the pastoral work, and and it's just too much. They got a taste of what it was like to not have to take that 10, 15, 20 hours to, to prepare and write and labor and pray and all those things as you prepare to preach. They got a taste of it, and, I, and it tempted some guys who were who were faithfully preaching their own sermons for a long time. And I've heard, I've heard others say that. I think it's a really, I think it's a an interesting uh, take, and I think it's also accurate. So we want to just acknowledge that that the temptation is there because mm-hmm. the the pastoral labor is it's intense, it's exhausting. And I mean there's there's the reasons to to rest and to have margin in your life when you can right. and those kind of things. But let's talk about just some practical tips on what might help pastors avoid plagiarism. 
I'll, I'll go first. You can think on one for you, but I would say when when I prepared, I did I I pretty much tried to write my sermon solely on my own study and observations of the text, my praying over that, praying for what my congregation needs to hear from this, and writing my sermon with very little uh, use of commentaries and other and other sermons and things. If I was wondering if I was headed in the right direction theologically or something about a, to- a, a text or whatever, I mean, I would look up something just to make sure I was... But I usually reserve towards the end to read mm-hmm. commentaries, right. to listen to other sermons, to, to read on the topic and those kind of things. And I found that my sermons really... It felt like they were my sermons mm-hmm. because I had already put on paper, you know, maybe 90% right. of what I was going to do. I found that incredibly helpful, and it kept me from being tempted... Because when I read something, it's like, oh man, that's really good. I just, I, I don't have anything else better than that. I'm gonna just, I'm tempted to pull that in. Uh, once you already have your sermon written, you can, you can put some things in, and then obviously give credit for the, those places. I found that's how my own voice came out in in sermons in a helpful way. So, know where you read commentary. If it's more on the front end, you're listening to sermons, you're reading commentaries. You need to know how much that might be influencing you, and that might tempt you to want to. Not just use somebody's material, but then to, to claim it as your own, which again is plagiarism, not not right. the fact that you are using someone right. else's. So right. it's, it's not citing that. So that's one practical help. Jim, another practical thought, maybe on how pastor you may be struggling through this. Yeah. So I, I think I, you need to ask yourself if if part of my pressure to utilize others others' material, it's usually bound up in one of two things. So one is an issue of of your priorities. If you're not making sermon preparation a priority, if you have busied your life up with other things, you need to consider what those things are and what of those things are legitimate and, and, and what of those things can be cast off. You know, and, and Brian, you know, hopefully we're talking to pastors who are hardworking some pastors aren't. Some pastors are lazy, and, and it's just, and you need to repent of that. And and so if that's the if that's the issue, I think you might need to think through and say, am, have I cluttered up my life so much that I'm not able to make priority? And I would say the same thing: if you're studying so much that you never meet with people, then you know, then you've got a, you've got a problem. But if on the other hand you're meeting with people so much you never have time for study, the study. Right. You have to understand that that's part of the part of the way that you pastor your flock. It's it's really one of the most fundamental th- ways in which yeah. you pastor your flock is to feed them the riches of God's word. Well, and when I when I'm training guys for ministry, Jim, honestly, one of the things I do as I'm working with young men who are aspiring to be pastors is to try to help them assess whether they have the the gifting and ability to even write a sermon every week. You know, are you, it's not it's, it's not whether you just feel called to preach. Do you are you able to write up, you know, are you able to write a sermon or maybe a couple every week? That's mm-hmm. I think that's part of the the call on whether you should be a preaching right. uh, regular preaching pastor or not. Another practical help I'll throw out there, and this is why we say this so often with with, with the work we're doing and that is Stop putting the expectation that you're supposed to have a home run sermon every week. Right. I, 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 we, this is one of the reasons we say this all the time, is that we do crazy things when we put an expectation on ourselves. It's just unrealistic. We're not going to preach a home run sermon. Our congregation is not expecting that. And I have a hunch that a lot of guys will, in desperation, when the brain fog is there, the exhaustion's there, I'm going to go find... John Piper's sermon, or, or you know, whoever, or right. Alistair Begg's sermon, and go and preach that because I know it's going to be, 
you know, probably better than what I can produce this week, except the fact that where your church is most helped is that it's their pastor preaching from his heart, his soul, whatever he could bring that day, not how great the sermon is. And I think, and that's one of the things that, that I think gets a lot of pastors that I, that I want to encourage singles and doubles for 40 years is a faithful ministry and God uses in, in astounding ways. So, if you're struck, if you're tempted to preach someone else's sermons, and then not give certainly, and then not give credit to whatever you're citing, uh, a lot of that comes from this this just pressure of expectation that I'm supposed to measure up in a way that I don't think comes from God at all, and right. it only comes from our churches as well. So be right. mindful of that. Maybe one more for you. Jim. Yeah, I, well, Brian, that was really what I was. That was okay. in my mind, and I was just going to say nobody can pastor your flock better than you. Right. And you know you're the man called to do it, and however good that sermon was that so and so preached out in California or Minnesota, New York or London or wherever it is, it's it's ultimately not going to be as razzle dazzle as it may sound. It, it, there's nothing better for a congregation than a man who lives among them, who loves them, and who knows them. And so part of that may again be again as you said that freedom to know that I can do this in a way that nobody else can. I, I'm I'm the man who tends their wounds. I'm the man who who is accountable to them. I can feed them actually better than right. uh, this this great and gifted preacher. And to know, so, you know, Brian, these great and gifted preachers are known, and in every generation there's about five or ten of them that are known mm-hmm. among however many tens of thousands of pastors that right. are out there. Right. And again, because we live in a day and a time where I mean, you know, again, you know, it's part of the thing like getting on social media and seeing other people's families and however they present themselves. And suddenly now you feel like, oh, I thought I was happy, but now I I don't measure up or Mm. my wife doesn't look like that or my kids don't look like that or they don't get to wear clothes like that. And all of a sudden, you know, everything that was fine now becomes not fine. That's right. And we live at a time when people can have access to some of the greatest preaching ever. And sometimes they'll let you know, you know, hey, that was good. You know, Martin Lloyd Jones, good, but yeah. you know that, but that was good. You know, and you're like, okay, well, I, I can't measure up to that. He was a one in a generation man. I, I, you're you're so right. I'm, I agree with everything you said. I want to. I just want to emphasize that idea that where the pressures removed at a home run sermon, in my opinion, is that you care for your people. You know, you're you're in their living room. You know, you're you're visiting them in the hospital. Mm. You're you're a part of them, and you you become endeared to uh, to them in a way right. that they want to hear you preach, full well knowing that this is not the best sermon online that they could listen to that week, but they want to hear you. Right. And I believe that's what's so unique and special and powerful about pastoral preaching and pastoral ministry in the local church mm. is is that that's God's design. I'm convinced. Yeah. And so the internet. And the easy access we have to all these things, like, I mean, it's complicated things in that way, but that calling hasn't changed. Uh, one final word on writing around this, because um, I just want to, for those who are maybe wrestling with, is this really that big a deal? Like, is, is, is people making a big deal? Well, I think it's harder. I mean, preaching, plagiarizing and preaching is a bit trickier, I think. When you're writing and publishing, uh, you, you gave an example earlier. I mean, I think we need to realize that Outside the church, like if you if you're caught claiming somebody's other idea as your own, you publish it in a book. Like you said, it's it's criminal. Like you, you you you, I mean, this is outside Christian circles. How much more should churches and pastors and Christians in general 
want to be above reproach around these kinds of things. So I do want to urge pastors to be mindful of their own ministries and the integrity of their ministry in that way when you preach and and when you write. So Jim, would you take a minute and just pray for pastors in that way? Uh, Heavenly Father, we do pray for everyone listening here, for myself and for my brother, that we would be men of integrity who do the work you've called us to do in a way that edifies your people and that draws sinners to yourself. And Father, we we would trust you and the power of your word uh, above uh, our own native abilities. Uh, We do desire an increase of gift and of usefulness. We desire those things. We desire to preach edifying things. But Heavenly Father, help us to be uh, men of integrity uh, in that. Thank you. There are so many good books and so many good sermons out there that we ourselves can benefit from. Thank you for the faithful labors of others, and may we honor you by honoring these sources, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.